So do you ever feel sometimes like you're just kind of going through life half-heartedly? That even though you may have valuable kind of life-giving things, you still approach them with just half your heart. Even the things that that you know are are, are good and life-giving and valuable, like your most important relationships, your children, your, your work, your friends, your faith, your health. And yet still, sometimes we, we have a tendency to approach all of that just a little half-heartedly, just a little deflated. So what, what is that? I mean, I think, I think it's a sign that, that there's something going on deep down within us. That, that there, there, there's an illness, there, there, there's a disease within our heart, and, and we know the symptoms, we see them, we feel them, but we don't quite know how to diagnose it. And one thing I, I think is that, you know, we're, we're culturally conditioned to believe that we are not enough, that we don't have enough, or that we don't do enough. And you add all that together and we can't help but feel half-hearted sometimes. We find ourselves living a life of lack. Not really a life of abundance. And, and, and here's why I think this is so important. And here's why we're going to talk about it for the, for the next few weeks. It's because all of those things... They damage our soul more, more than we can see just on the surface, but it damages the very truest and deepest part of ourselves. And so one day Jesus was talking. He had a tendency to do that. And so he was talking to this group of people, and while he's talking to them, he kind of gives his personal mission statement. He says, you know, th- this is why I'm here. And so he says, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of other people that, that want to try to cheat you, steal from you, I seek to destroy you, but, but here's why I'm here. And I think this is so key. It, it's just tucked away in, in the middle of all these other verses, and it comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And I think this is so important. I, would you read this with me? Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I don't, I don't, I heard a couple people say it. Let's try it again. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus came so that we can have life and have it to the full, have life in abundance. Now, that doesn't mean that, that Jesus is going to make you rich, okay? That's not what Jesus is saying. It doesn't mean that, that life is going to be perfect, but that even in spite of all of our imperfections, Jesus came to teach us how to live wholeheartedly. Jesus came so that we could learn what it means to live a wholehearted kind of life. I mean, we've heard about eternal life, right? Life, life after you pass away from this one. But have we heard about abundant life? Here and now, a gift that Jesus offers to us. And I love that word wholeheartedly. It, it means with complete sincerity and commitment. 
And I think that's a great value that, that all of us, especially those of us who dare call ourselves Christians, I think that's a value that we should all uphold and uplift. And so that's, that's the goal of this sermon series, is, is that over the next few weeks that we would learn how to live wholeheartedly. Of course, this is a lifetime thing, but, but cultivating some of the things that will help us to learn how to live wholeheartedly. It's also the series of our stewardship campaign. Now, if you've never been a part of a church's stewardship campaign, you are in for a treat. Woo! Let me tell you. Now, stewardship, it's the time of the season uh, where the church gets to ask you for stuff, specifically your money. All right? Yeah, fun stuff. Um, sort of. That there is an element of truth to that, that, uh, you know, you think coming to the stewardship series, uh, the church just wants my money, the church just wants stuff for me. Let me be upfront. There is an element of truth to that. I mean, we do what we do because of you and what you do. Uh, we can do what we do because you show up and volunteer for stuff. We can do what we do because you pray for this church. You pray for its leaders. You pray for this community. You kind of till the soil ahead of time. We can do what we do because of your generosity to keep the lights on and the air conditioning running and, and all of the awesome stuff like uh, vacation Bible school and sending kids to camp and uh, opportunities for people to just totally have their lives turned around and changed and transformed for the glory of God. So yes, there is something that we ask from you. But I want to try to flip the script on stewardship this year a little bit. And, and it's not just something that I want from you. The church doesn't want just stuff from you. But what I hope is that this is an opportunity that we can give something to you. That what the church can do for you. Because I, I believe that, that until we receive with an open heart, we won't give with an open heart in, in any aspect of our lives. And so I, I hope that we come to the end of this journey together discovering why we're here. Discovering the way to live that Jesus taught us to live in an abundant life, a wholehearted life. Because I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life of lack, I don't want to come to the end of my days and look back and find that I've just lived it half-heartedly. I don't want to just survive this life, but I want to live it. I don't want to just survive this world, but, but I want to change it and transform it to the glory of God. And, and so I hope that this series is an invitation for you to commit to setting your life on an intentional path of finding joy, and faith, and generosity, and celebration. And so when you walked in here today, you should have gotten a letter, an envelope, and, and in it is, is a commitment card asking you to make a commitment in your own personal life, for your own spiritual development, but also uh, for the church's development, and committing to some things here at the church. And so let me just have a private conversation with a few people in the room, okay? If this is your first time here with us, or if you're new here with us, you can read this, but it's not really for you, okay? Just whew, take, take a breath, all right? It, I know it seems like, you know, I'm proposing on the first date, okay? And it's sort of a blind date, and you're not sure how things are going right now, okay? 
Give us a second chance. We'll fall in love. Don't worry. Um, For everyone else in the room, though, okay, if you find First United Methodist Church of Dunedin home, if you call it home, and, and that's really what my hope is for all of us, that we would find this church, not just this building, but this community, we would find to call it home, then I want to push you a little bit. And I want to encourage you to make a commitment to this church, but also to make a commitment to yourself and to commit to see what, what God could do over the next year. Our goal is to get uh, 75 commitments in on October uh, 28th. October 28th is sort of our, our harvest date uh, that we have set. Um, so throughout the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about um, living a whole heart and some of the things that we have to cultivate in order to get there. So cultivating faith, cultivating Sabbath, cultivating generosity, cultivating uh, celebration, all of those things help us to live wholeheartedly. But all of those things require a commitment. And commitment, well, some of us have commitment issues, right? Or at least a boyfriend or a girlfriend told you that one time ago. And now they're your spouse. Hey, look at that. That's fun. Uh, but commitment, commitment is, is a scary thing sometimes, right? Because we live in a disposable world, let me explain what I, what I mean by that. We live in a disposable world. I mean, there are so many everyday things that we use and then don't reuse. We just dispose of them. We have disposable plates, disposable napkins, disposable silverware, contact lenses, disposable cameras were a thing at some point in time. I don't know if they still really are, but they were a big hit. Um, but the thing about all these disposable products is, is that they're convenient for us, and that's great, They're usually terrible for the environment, but they're really convenient for us. But what happens when when we take that kind of disposable mindset beyond just dinnerware? What happens when, when it seeps into other areas of our life? Where we begin to view everything, and maybe most everyone, just for our own convenience. And then when it becomes inconvenient, you just dispose and go on to the next one. That we have a problem. That in our culture, we have valued convenience over commitment. That when it's not convenient to take the time to wash a dish, you can just use a disposable and move on with your way. If a relationship isn't convenient to us, you can just dump the person and move on to the next one. If a group is inconvenient or if a, if a church is inconvenient, you don't like the music, you don't like the preaching, you don't like the carpet, you don't like whatever, 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 you can just dump it. <laughs> move on down the road to the next church. They might be convenient for a little while. And, and I'm not saying that we don't have good reasons to sometimes dispose and dump that person and move on to the next one. I, I, I get that, but, but what I am saying is that I think that we have a problem in our culture where, where we've valued convenience over commitment. 
in our culture, it seems that, that we're encouraged to be committed to being uncommitted. We're encouraged to be deeply committed to being uncommitted. And that just doesn't really mesh with the story of Scripture that we find. That all throughout Scripture we find a God who is faithful, fully committed, keeping promises that God has made to us. And God calls us to be faithful. Faithful to God and faithful to one another. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 32. It says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect. And all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. And we are called to emulate that faithfulness. We are called to emulate that, that trustworthiness that God has shown us. That, that commitment that God has first given to us. Even though we are unfaithful to God. Even though we fall short on all of our commitments, even though we turn away from God, even though we, we try to dispose of God when God seems to get a little inconvenient in our lives, the good news is that God remains faithful to us, even through it all. That even though faithfulness isn't really a top value for any of us, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, because we're taught by our disposable culture to be deeply committed to being uncommitted. But here's, here's the problem with all of that. This is kind of the heart of the issue. It's that if we haven't learned how to be faithful, if we haven't learned how to be committed to something through and through, then I believe we won't really learn how to live wholeheartedly because this is sort of the bedrock. It's sort of, it's sort of the ground for everything else that springs from it. You see, we're the most in debt, the most obese, the most eating disordered, the most medicated, the most addicted group of Americans in all of American history. And life is hard. Look, I, I get it. I know life is hard. And I know that some of you know that life is really hard. But for too long, we have been teaching ourselves to just survive. To just survive life. And if that's our mindset, then, then we just have two options that we go to. And, and then there's a third, but let me go through the first two. The first option is that we can just numb we can just try to numb all the things. I'd like to have a half a dozen drinks and a dozen donuts and spend a few hours in front of TV, right? Or whatever it is that you try to numb your life with. But the problem, not only for your physical health, right, but the problem for your spiritual and your emotional health is that when you numb one thing, you end up numbing everything, that we can't just selectively numb one part of our lives. We can't just selectively numb one emotion, one area of our life that is inconvenient to us without numbing everything else. And so when we numb some of those difficult areas, we also end up numbing joy and happiness 
and true connection that we have with other people. And then we don't like that we're numb to all those things. And so what we do to try to numb that is we go get another half dozen drinks and another dozen donuts. It's cyclical. So we move on to the second option. Is that we try to present ourselves as perfect. That even though we know we, we can't be perfect on the inside, we try to externalize perfection out to the world. We put up a false identity. We, we take those, those picture-perfect moments, and that's what we put out on social media. That's what we show to other people of, of what our life looks like, even though we know our life doesn't really always look that way. Or we go drastically far, and we go to a doctor and have them take fat out of our thighs and put it into our lips, which is just kind of a bizarre thing. But the disguise, the disguise only lasts so long. Before it wears off or before we realize that our presenting perfection is just putting up a barrier between ourselves and between other people and and really ultimately between us and God. And so there's a third way. To have courage. To live our lives courageously. When we think of courage, we we think of bravery, we think of of heroes. But the word courage actually came from a a Latin word, core, which just meant heart. And so in, in its original meaning, courage meant to live in such a way that you tell your whole heart. To live courageously was to live in such a way that you tell your whole heart. To be courageous enough, vulnerable enough to put yourself out there. All that you are. I mean, isn't, isn't that kind of what prayer is supposed to be? A courageous conversation between us and God? ourselves wholly out there, vulnerable, laid wide open, our whole hearts revealed. That's a courageous thing. And to live that way with other people in a world of fake heroism, that's really courageous. You see, faith and courage, they really go hand in hand. Because faith is the courage to believe in something even though we, we can't see it or, or we can't see it yet. And it's the strength to commit ourselves to it regardless. And so Jesus tells this great story, a story about a, a farmer who one day goes out to his field and he starts sowing seed. So he takes his bag of seed and he just starts scattering seed everywhere. He's throwing it just kind of recklessly. And some of the seed falls on on a dirt path and just kind of bounces off, doesn't do anything. Some falls on rocky ground, sprouts up and then quickly dies. Some falls on uh, thorns and weeds and it gets choked out. But there's others that fall on good soil, Jesus says. And the seed that fell on the good soil sprouted up. And it yielded a crop that was a hundred times what it was originally sown. I mean, that's an abundant, abundant harvest. But the people that were listening to Jesus still didn't quite understand what he was getting at. And so he explains it to them. And he says, the seed 
is the word of God that I'm talking about. It's it's the message of God that God has been speaking to all creation ever since the beginning of all of it. And Jesus says, I've come with that same message. I've come with the message of God's good news, and my message, my mission, is so that you may have life and have it abundantly. But not everyone is going to understand that. And not everyone is going to want to do that courageous work. They'd rather do the perfectionist way. Or numb. But listen to what Jesus says here. Chapter 8. He says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble or an honest and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving, persevering, sorry, and by persevering, produce a crop, bear fruit with patient endurance. Now, if you've ever done any gardening or farmers, I don't know if we have any farmers out there, uh, but you know that there's a lot of work between the time that you sow the seed and the harvest actually comes, before you get to pick any of the fruit off of it. There's a lot of work that goes into that. You can't just put the seed there and just let it sit, or else really not a whole lot is going to happen. And that work that you do in the meantime, that's called cultivating. It's preparing, it's fostering, it's nurturing the ground and the plants so that things can grow and flourish. That even though it seems on the outset that on the surface there's not a whole lot happening, but underneath, deep down in the soil, there's work that's being done. And so Jesus says that the ones who end up seeing an abundant harvest, they have the same thing. The seed was sown, and it seems like nothing's happening for a long time. But Jesus says those who actually end up seeing an abundant harvest, those, the one, those are the ones who have the fullness of life that he came to offer them. They're the ones who do the deep work of cultivating faith, of cultivating a courageous heart. They hold fast to that promise They're faithful, they're committed, they have faith, even though they can't see what's happening. Even though they may not see any shoots come up just yet, they're still committed to it. And man, that's really inconvenient. It's really inconvenient. But it's the ones who are committed who end up seeing the harvest. And so God comes to another man and gives another man a message. Jeremiah, in the 6th century BC, God came to Jeremiah with a promise. And he said, Jeremiah, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Sounds great. The only problem is that this promise that God gave to Jeremiah and all the people of Israel who were at this time in captivity in a foreign land, the only problem with this promise is that God says it's not going to happen for another 70 years. Here's the promise. I'm sowing the seed, plans to give you hope in a future, but you're not going to see the harvest 
for another 70 years. And so God says, here's what I want you to do in the meantime. From, from the moment that the seed is sown until the harvest, here's what I want you to do in the meantime. I, I, I want you to have faith, and I want you to cultivate that. So he goes on and says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with your whole heart, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Faith, faith is the courage to commit ourselves to things that we can't yet see. The strength to commit ourselves to it wholeheartedly. And so what I, what I hope over, over the next year, what I hope over the next year is that you would commit to cultivating faith in your own personal life and in, in our life together as a church. Because I, I believe that those words that were spoken to Jeremiah years ago are the same for us today. That God does have a plan that is good for us. A plan to give us hope and a future. I believe that God has that for your life and our life together as a church. But it's going to mean that we have to do some work in the meantime. We've got to do some work in the waiting. But the God who is faithful... The God who is faithful will bring all things to bear to those who commit in faith, who have an honest, a courageous, a vulnerable heart to seek the Lord with all that they are and all that they have. And so I want to I ask us to take that first step in living wholeheartedly, to begin to to cultivate faith, to take that first step without fully seeing but trusting the plans of our faithful God to give us hope and a future. You see, Jesus gave us his mission statement when he said, I have come so that you may have life and life abundantly. There are others that want to cheat steal and destroy, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here to give you life abundantly. And then Jesus committed to that promise. And he gave it all for us. He went to the cross, died for our sins to give us forgiveness, and then rose from the grave to conquer all the things that keep us trapped in kind of a half-hearted life. And before all that, he said to his disciples, this is why I'm here. And this is why I've gathered you here. To give you my message of good news. For you, and to share it with the rest of the world. And Jesus had enough faith in them, and enough faith in you and me, to hand us that message that good news of abundant life and say, here, this is your seed to sow. I'll water it. But this is yours to sow. This is the harvest that I'm waiting for. And so Jesus, on the night before, he went to the cross. He showed his disciples 
what commitment looked like. Even though they would see it the next day, he had to explain it to them ahead of time. And so he said, it's like this. This meal that we've shared year after year after year. But this is a little different. And so he took bread, and he gave thanks to you, O God, and he blessed it. And he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks to you, O God, and he blessed it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of a new covenant, a new commitment that I'm making to you for the forgiveness of your sins, for the forgiveness of all sins. And whenever you drink it, remember me. Will you pray with me? And so God, we pray with hearts uplifted and open to you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you come and fill them up. God, that you drive out the darkness, you drive out the guilt, the shame, all the things that have kept us from finding that abundant life that you have promised. Holy Spirit, fall upon us. Fill us up. Till the soil of our hearts and cultivate faith within us. Holy Spirit, fall on these gifts of bread and the cup that they would be for us the body and blood of Jesus so that we would go out from this place united as the body of Christ, knowing that we are redeemed by his blood to go out and serve the world, to do the things that he did, to be faithful just as he was and he is and he forever will be faithful to us. Help us lean in trust in your grace, in your peace, in your mercy, in your faith, and build us up in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.